Welcome to the CLB Forge Podcast. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Here are your hosts, Pastor Mike Natal and Dr. Ryan Nilsson. Hey, welcome to the CLB Forge Podcast. Welcome to the show today. Welcome to episode 40. Today we have a special treat, three great pastors who lead a remarkable mission trip for multiple churches, a ministry called Borderless. We're really excited to have pastors Mark Johannesson, Marty Valder and Jason Lang with us. Welcome, guys. Sweet. I think this is the most amount of special guests that we've had on our show, except for when we did that webinar. It's going to be fun reading your bios because I get to read three of them. So buckle up. Hopefully I don't mess any of them up. So first, we're going to read Mark. So Mark is married to Wendy and they have one daughter whose name is Ella. He is currently the associate pastor at True Life Lutheran Brethren Church in Rochester, Minnesota, and is the youth ministry communication guy for the Church of the Lutheran Brethren. He has spent the same amount of time in Norway as he has Mexico, yet his language skills in both are absolutely terrible. And then here's another thing, man, talk about just wallowing. His next comment was, he's a Twins fan trapped in an East Coast body. Shout out, Jersey boy. Man, oh man. And you can hear more about Mark from Mark on his blog. I'm going to really quickly give it to you, but then I want to encourage our listeners that it's going to be in the show notes. Here it is. CLB.org slash category slash CLB dash youth slash next up the cream in the Oreo cookie sandwich that we have in bios. Mr. Marty Volder grew up in the Lutheran brethren. He is married to Miriam and they have three children who are all adults. Now first Jeff, he's married to Kelsey, Alyssa and Bethany, who is married to Mike Titterness, who is actually going to be on the podcast in future episodes. So we're excited to have him on. Uh, he has four grandchildren, Lucy, Leo, Hank and Simon. He graduated from the Hillcrest Academy in 1976, after which time he went to college and he began working in the grocery business, shout out Nabisco. After some time, the Lord called him to pastoral ministry. So he went and got his master's in divinity at the Lutheran Brethren Seminary in 1995. He currently serves as pastor at Hope Church in Everett, Washington, and he has been there since 1995. Last but certainly not least, adding to this Oreo Supreme. I'm thinking maybe it's a double stuffed. We have Jason Lang. Currently, he serves as lead pastor at Word of Life Church in Lesore, Minnesota. He grew up in New York and New Jersey, and he has lived all across the U.S. He and his wife, Heidi, have been married for over 20 years, and they have four kids born in four different states. He has degrees from the Philadelphia Biblical University and the Lutheran Brethren Seminary. He speaks at youth camps and conferences around the U.S., and he has had the opportunity to serve in Lutheran Brethren churches in Princeton, in Swan Lake, in Cranston, uh, Fullerton, Aurora, DeWitt, and he currently serves, as we mentioned, in Lesore, Minnesota. Jason enjoys bike riding, fly fishing, skiing, hiking, and cooking for friends and family. And we're excited to have all three of you on to talk about borderless. For those of you who would like to know, and once again, we'll put it in the show notes, but you can find more out about borderless by going to their websites, borderlessmidwest.com all one, so borderlessmidwest.com or borderlessmission, all one word, dot org. And once again, we'll put those in the show notes so that all you have to do is click on that fancy link. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mark and Marty and Jason. This is where Ryan is going to put a cool audio in where like fans are going to go, ah, and they're going to start cheering for you. Something that Twins fans rarely ever. Happens to Marty all the time though. Yeah. Oh, it's great. 
Marty, we're we're proud of you, man, that, that you're here with us. We're elated. Hey, I'm the old guy. So there you go. There you go. All right. Well, that's all the time we have yeah, for today. Thanks, it. everybody, for being okay, our guests. Set up these cameras. <laughs> <laughs> now I can relax. We're done. Yep. The hard part is over. You guys sat through your bio. Now it's just having a conversation. With, so first of all, let's just kick things off. Let's talk about the borderless mission trip, which is I mean, it's what we're here all about. Could someone tell me what is that and how did you each get involved? Well, I can give you the background on borderless. I think most people are aware of Azusa Pacific University in Southern California. In 1970, they started a Mexico outreach that uh, they invited their own students to participate in and youth groups from around the Pacific Northwest, uh, West Coast, actually. But at any rate, that started in 1970. And a guy by the name of Clark Layton was a youth pastor at Maple Park in Linwood, Washington in the, in the 1990s. And he got hooked up with Azusa and uh, he and a couple of his youth from Maple Park started going. And then he invited Colleen Bergsogel from Rock of Ages in Seattle to go. And they started, you know, in the in the mid 1990s, consistently going. It's every Holy Week, you know, right before Easter, every spring. And then in uh, 1996, Colleen Bergsogel, who was now leading this, decided, hey, we could do this on our own. We don't have to go with Azusa Pacific. And they did that simply because each year you didn't know what church you would be assigned to. And Colleen thought, you know, it would be really fun to be able to establish relationships and consistently go to the same churches. And and, uh, I think it was here, I got some notes from Colleen. She said it was 2005 or six. Borderless was formed with Rock of Ages, Maple Park, Cornerstone up in Ferndale was going, Word of Life in Marysville and Hope and Everett were going to start going in the years that followed. And so it's been a Pacific Northwest ministry in its beginning. But then Mark Johannesson, he got involved. So Mark, you can say how you got involved and started up the Midwest part. So I went out to Marysville, Washington. I was the youth pastor out there for three years and they were plugged into the trip before I got there. So I just kind of walked into it. I fell in love with it while I was there for all the same reasons why you just said, Marty, just because of that. We're going back to the same places. We're serving with the same people and we're building off of ministry from the past. And it's this partnership. And the thing that probably was the most significant for me was I had done other mission trips with other organizations where it kind of felt like you were a parachute drop. You just came in, you served for a week and you left and you had no interaction with any of the people that you served afterwards. That was not the case as I was out there in in Marysville with you guys, Marty. I fell very much in love with it. And then me and my family, we moved. We spent some time on the East Coast. And then in 2010, we came back to the Midwest, served in Lesur. I was the associate pastor there for six or seven years. One of the first things that I heard was one of the elders said, hey, if we could find some ways to get some of our students to serve, that would be great. So we were looking for both local ways and for you know international or, or national ways to serve. I just went back thinking about, I love what I had with uh, Borderless. And I started talking with Colleen, hey, could we start like a, a franchise or something in the Midwest? She gave us the green light. So the first conversations, that first trip that we had, I think, Jay might've been on that first trip, but I think that first trip really started with me and Todd Matheson, who was at Ebenezer, and Rich Iverson, who was in Barnesville. It was the three of us. We got together over lunch out in uh, Maple Grove. That was the first trip that came together was because of that conversation. And that started, I think, the Midwest conversation. So Jay, I don't know, were you on that first trip? 
No, I was on the second one. You're the one who dragged me in, really. I mean, he uh, lured me in with the opportunity to, to speak at Borderless because one of the things that they do is we invite somebody to come and speak. And so we have a speaker in both the morning and the evening with the whole group together at Tent City. We have a time of worship, a time uh, where speakers share from the, from the scriptures, both to kind of get us filled up so that as we go out, we, we can be, you know, giving out. And so he lured me in with the opportunity to speak. I love, I love speaking to youth. And so after experiencing the mission trip, though, it was a pretty easy sell, but not as easy to my congregation. I was serving in DeWitt at the time. And when I came back, the congregation was like, okay, yeah, you can go to Mexico. But it wasn't until the next year, I really couldn't get much traction. But I sent my daughter Becca down solo with Mark. When she came back, you know, she just she could not stop talking about her experience down in Mexico, uh, just sharing the gospel and hanging out with, you know, kids in Mexico. It was the year after that, that people were just totally on board. What Becca said really resonated, you know, with people. Yeah, that's sweet to get some background information um, about exactly how Borderless was founded and then also how it kind of evolved and moved and adapted into the Midwest. Could you guys share with our listeners what goes on during these trips? Also, how many Borderless Midwest trips have you guys taken so far? I think Midwest has gone since 2010 or 11 or something like that. So we've had two years where we haven't been able to go now or will be two years. So what, eight or nine that we've done, Jay? I was going to say eight or nine. Cool. So can you guys just unpack a little bit of what goes on during the uh, trips for our listeners? I'll start a little bit. So Colleen Bergsagel, she ran this for years. She was on staff at Rock of Ages, but one of her trips with Azusa, she met our host pastor from a little village. If you're familiar with Yuma, Arizona, south of Yuma, there's a Mexico city called San Luis. That's where we cross the border generally. And then west of San Luis, there's a little village called Mezcatal. And Pastor David, his wife, Julia Del Reyes, said they serve not only as the pastors in Mescatal, but they serve as coordinators for a group of churches in this eastern Baja California province of Christian churches. Mexico is predominantly Catholic, and these are Protestant churches that are, you know, in these little villages. And so we go, Mescatal is our base camp, and we serve churches in Mescatal, Anizio, Silva, Bonfield, Nueva Leon, and Maritimo. There's probably a half a dozen other churches that would like a mission team, but we just don't have enough people going yet. And so this is where this whole growth process goes. But David and Julia, they coordinate our coming and where we're going to be. And uh, we go to the same churches every year. And that's the beauty of this. My church has gone to Maritimo since 2006. And, you know, they know us, we know them, and we work hard together. And part of what we end up doing is each church is working with another church. And so they each have their own, you know, communities and what's going to impact them. But for us, we get there and immediately just greeted by people in the congregation, people in the community. We unload all of our stuff into the church building. We uh, we blow up balloons. We printed out invitations and we just start walking through the community, just greeting people, uh, giving out balloons to kids and invitations to come and join us for, for the Sunday service, as well as for Vacation Bible School all week. And that is a big part of what we do. We help local churches put on a vacation Bible school that reaches their community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We arrive usually on Friday night or a Saturday morning. We'll go to the market together. All of our teams from all over the US will go shop. Then we'll go out Saturday afternoon. We'll set up at our ministry sites and we'll canvas for VBS or church or we'll do some sort of like setup and get to know people and kind of reestablish where we're going and what we're doing. Sunday, we'll go to church. Maybe there'll be like an outreach. Some of our sites have done like big taco feeds for their communities and try to build some relationships with people in their neighborhoods. Their villages are not big, they're small. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we kind of have the same schedule. We start the day with worship at base camp and breakfast at base camp. We have this little village that we all camp at. And then during the day, we're out at our ministry sites. We're kind of scattered to the 10 whatever different sites that, that Marty said, doing either a small construction project or a women's ministry Bible study or the VBS, which is the big project. And then we come back at night, dinner back at our at base camp, and we'll do our worship service at night. And then Thursday is kind of an abbreviated version of that. Usually we're heading back towards the border by noonish. Some of us are even flying out Thursday night or Friday morning, making our way back home. I'd love to hear a little bit about what keeps you coming back to the same place year after year after year. I was the hesitant one. Okay. <laughs> My three kids who are all adults now, they all went to Mexico ahead of me and they'd come back. And, you know, there again, each church here in the United States, you know, has a team participating. I'm not sure what it's like in the Midwest, but uh, it's a big deal out here. My congregation here at Hope, they've bought into supporting this mission. And, and so we have a big send-off service. And as we go to Mexico and share, I mean, it took lots of years of pictures and clean Bergsuggle. And well, Mark, because he had gone ahead of me and uh, Dick Mantle was serving up in Ferndale and Marty, you got to go, Marty, you got to go. And, and finally in 2009, That was the first year I went. I'd heard the stories, seen the pictures, but when you get there, the love and the relationships with the congregations that we consistently go to, it is like nothing I had ever experienced. So genuine. And then to see the fruits, people come to know and believe in Jesus Christ, seeing the benefit that our teams brought to the communities, you just go, wow. And every year you go back, you think you're going to coast and just get through another year. And every year God just shows up in a big way and does some remarkably incredible things goes back to a Henry Blackaby thing. See where God is working and join him in that. And there again, I know God is always at work wherever we are, but uh, there's some pretty big visual results when we're there in Mexico for six days. And it's amazing. Marty, I think you nailed it. It's about that personal relationship that we have with our friends there. I think about we get down to Mexico and we're riding in these 15 passenger vans. Probably two thirds of the people that are on a trip, they've been before, maybe a third have never been. But when we pull up into our villages and our ministry sites and the doors open, there's a flood of kids just waiting for us to get out. And they're looking for like, who is the person that really they clung to the year before? They're They can't wait to see those people. And the adults, we've got the same sort of bond with the adults. I mean, they're not waiting at the van for us to get out. But I mean, like we pick up right where we left off when we we spend time with them. For me, when I try to tell people about the trip, I stop telling them it's a mission trip. I just said, we're going to go make friends in Mexico or we're going to go visit our friends in Mexico because that's really what it is for me. 
Yeah, it's about Pastor Mario and his wife Olga and their family. It's Chava who runs the little shop just right down from the church and his relationship with the Lord that is complicated. It's following up after giving him a Bible and, and sharing the gospel with him. It's relationships with Sonia and Nora. It's relationships with Christian and Raul. And you can name off, you know, name after name and think about the faces of our friends down there. And it's also who we get to go with. I love love getting to minister with Steve Smith. Uh, he's my interpreter at, at my ministry site. Steve, Steve and I have been friends since before I was pastor here. And it, it just and it is this trip that has really fostered our relationship. I love Steve. I love getting to partner with him in ministry. And when you have a translator, you are partners. We really encourage um, parents to come with their teens. It's not just a teen trip. It's, it's multi-generational. And I, I love watching the whole Smith family get down there and all of them ministering together. I I love watching a parent watching their teen living mission. As a teenager, it's just living out the gospel and living out mission. Watching the look that's on their parent's face is like, it's priceless because the teens become more fearless and it's like the parents are just shell-shocked. It's awesome. It's about the relationships. It's all about the people. Yeah, I love hearing all about that, the stuff that keeps you going back. And it really sounds like at the heart of what brings you guys back is relationship. The relationship that you guys have and the people that you impact through those relationships are the reasons why you go back to that same place. You are cultivating a, a, a ministry with them that is long lasting, that they will remember for years to come. And that comes with time. It's not something that you can show up. Like if you guys went to a different community every single time you went back, it would be a different feeling. It wouldn't be the same. It would be a different flavor. Yeah, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, it wouldn't be the same. And so like you guys are going down and like hearing you guys talk, I cannot wait to hear what the first borderless Midwest trip is like after you're allowed to go after COVID. Talk about the community that you guys have instilled in them and to have you guys come back. It's going to be an awesome reunion. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, it really is. It's going to be so great. So I have kind of like a three-part question and you guys can kind of decide what which portions you want to answer and how you want to answer. Kind of heard a little bit about this already that you've alluded to. How has this trip impacted the people who go? And then how has it impacted the people that you serve? And then lastly, how has it impacted your church when you or your group returns and share with them the things that have occurred over that stretch of time that you are going? I'll just say two things that I was thinking about. Like one was for a while when I was in Lesur, I was in the same village that Jay's in now in Silva. I would say the first three years that we were there, it felt very much like we were doing stuff for the church in Silva. And we were glad to do that stuff. But like the last three years that I remember being there, and it's probably Jay would say the same that it's been like that since. It was no longer us doing stuff for them. It was us doing stuff with them, which was wonderful. Like just to know that we're in partners together. And maybe there's some things that we can bring that, that they don't have, but there's things that they bring to the table that we don't have. And it's just been, that's been a great partnership. The other thing that I was just thinking about as you asked that question was last year, we didn't get to go. We already know that this year, this spring in 21, we won't get to go. And last year we had to cancel the trip. What Marty, what, like six weeks before the trip? No, we canceled six days. 
six days. Sorry. I mean, so we had no time to process really like what could we do different? We're not going. It was just, we're not going. But this fall, we've been as a leadership team that runs a trip, we've been trying to think about ways that we can be a blessing for our friends there, even though we're not there. So we've got one thing that's in front of us right now with doing some digital greetings. But the other thing that's been really like great to watch was we sent a gift down, a financial gift down uh, four months ago, probably, or maybe right after COVID really spiked here in the US just to say, hey, if we can be a blessing to you guys. And we watched how the church down there multiplied it and used it to uh, to feed tons of people. And then we did that again uh, with all the churches. We just, our board gave that gift. We invited all of our churches. We said, hey, if you give $2,000, the 14 churches that go, we'll give another thousand. So 3,000. And currently we're probably going to hit a goal of tripling that, of hitting like $9,000 to help people down there that they don't have any of the resources that we do towards food, towards medicine, towards whatever they can get their hands on to help them with some of their needs. So that's been really a fun, I'm really thankful that I can be a part of that, that I could see that happen. I mean, I think part of the change is, is with the people too. I mean, I think back to a guy who came in contact with a church in Silva that we were ministering with. He's got kind of a crazy story, but year after year, we have had contact with him. And then one year we raised up funds just to send him to rehab. Mm. And he comes back every year with his kids, clean, praising God and giving God all the glory. That's the end. It's guys like him. It, it, it's families who are coming back. It, it's watching the little kids grow up, hearing the gospel. It, it's seeing children that you held as infants who are now praising God and, and looking forward to us being there and singing the same songs, you know, year after year. It, it's amazing. It's watching Sonia lead the church in memory verses and, and just seeing that transformation. And then, you know, the transformation that it has in people that we send down just in change in perspective. And I think that it really makes an impact of on perspective in teens and adults that we bring with us as they look at the ministry down there, as they, I know people who have gotten tattoos on their way back, inspired by the peace and joy that they see in the churches down there as their lives are being transformed by Jesus Christ. It's just been awesome because one of the things that inspires change is to see the joy of believers who financially or material-wise don't really have have much and yet are still joyful in the Lord and thankful for what he has given. It's awesome. It's contagious. I would love to hear what you guys would have to say to this. I know sometimes there are some criticisms of short-term mission trips. I know you guys aren't quite describing what you're doing as that, but what would you say to somebody who might say, you know what, a very brief trip once a year, that doesn't really make a difference or it, it harms more than it helps. I'm guessing you guys have run into some of those voices before. What would you say to somebody who is coming at it from that perspective? Come and see come and see. That's what I would say. The reality is this isn't about going and, you know, hanging out on the Riviera. You know, we're going to Mexico, but we're going to a place that's really, as they say, off the grid. You know, we're camping in tents, we're using baños, you know, porta-potties. Until recently, most of us went six days without even bathing. As a matter of fact, I still haven't bathed in Mexico except with a sponge bath. And when I do cross the border and get to a hotel that first night, it's, you know, you're in the shower for an hour getting a weak grime and sweat off. But kids who think, you know, they're just going to go down there and have fun, they would find out that it really is better to serve than to be served. You know, that's just it. Our, our, Our Mexico hosts, they are so giving and so 
so generous. They've got nothing, but they they give and give and give. And my kids learn that kids, adults, it doesn't matter who goes. When you see what it means to them for us to be there, and then you see God bringing people that wouldn't normally come to the church because we're there, it, it's incredible. Like Mark said, we usually get there Saturday, get out to our sites late in the day, late in the afternoon, Saturday. But from Saturday until we cross the border again on Thursday, it's full on ministry. And the kids, their their lives have changed forever. Our kids, as well as the people we minister to. I was going to say two things. Like one, we're the only people that are going down and serving where we're at. I've been in other organizations like YouthWorks where you're one of 50 groups that comes down over the course of the year and nobody's probably going to remember who you were afterwards. We're the only people that are going there and serving there. And then two, we've taken two people that I can think of with over the last 10 years that were long-term missionaries. We took both Joel Nordvit and we took Dan Venberg. You know, I know they both have that long-term is, is better than short-term perspective, but I remember both of them, you could ask them this, but they both said like, you guys are doing a lot towards mitigating some of those concerns that maybe somebody would have towards short-term missions. I think the answer is simple. It's not short term. We've been going down you know, over 10 years. You can't call it short term. Oh, and it's also not a mission trip. It is a partnership in the labor of the gospel. And then I have said this to people and I've said, look, I only got to see my parents once this year. I traveled to go see them. Was it worth it? Yeah. Just because I only got to go see my parents once this year doesn't mean that we didn't have a great time as family celebrate together. It's not my relationship with my parents isn't meaningless just because my parents now live in Wyoming and I live in Minnesota, right? And so like, if we look at this as, as long distance relationships, with people who we know and love and we get to go see them every year. I know I have family that I don't see every year and I still love them. There's still value to our relationship. It's not short-term and it ain't missions. It's long-term and it's relationships. Nice. One-two punch. I like that. That's great. I'm wondering what advice would you guys have for a church that wants to get their youth ministry started in a trip like this? I know going on the first trip is a big hurdle. You guys have any counsel, any advice, some main things they should be focused on first, some easy ways to get plugged in with you? If you haven't sent somebody and you're thinking about like, how can I do this as a church? Send your youth director, youth worker, whoever it is, maybe take a student with, uh, you know, Jay, you talked about, you know, Becca going with, and that kind of just all trickled down after that. Send one person, send two people with, let them go down and just see what it's like. Let them go back and tell the stories. Our borderless board has told churches that have said, Hey, we're interested in this, but we're not sure. We'll waive the tuition for your leader. Uh, if, if you want to send somebody down, just give it a shot. Just give it a shot. And honestly, if you're really interested, talk to Mark, talk to Marty. You know, if you're in the Washington area or out West, talk to Marty. And if you're in the Midwest, talk to Mark and they'll get you connected to to a church where where you can start forming those relationships for yourself. You guys made it to the end. And I have to point out too, I, I got to ask you, this is probably going to be the hardest question that I ask you. Did you guys go on Zoom prior to this and practice? Because this was so smooth. You guys really didn't talk over each other. It was for three people. You guys Sure, you didn't practice. It was a little anticlimactic. Not a bit. <laughs> you're you're hoping for a little bit of a train wreck there. I guess we always have Marty's uh, pre-recorded video that we can lean back on. We're supposed to be uh, to, to look at the in fond memory. Oh, I wish I had that all recorded. So, Oh, yeah. man. Marty does have it recorded. So at least you have somebody who has some of it. Yeah. 
I think all you need is Marty's laugh. Literally, you could hear it through the entire That's town awesome. of Mezcatal. You know, <laughs> you just know where he's at. Just follow his laugh. And it's hard not yeah. to be joyful when you hear it too. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard for you yeah. not to smile awesome. when you hear it. So, hey, uh, Mark and Jason and Marty, we were super encouraged by you and we're super happy that you guys spent some time talking to our listeners about the Borderless trip and what an encouragement it is. You guys really shared from your heart uh, all about the relationships. If you guys could really quickly just think about ways that our listeners could be praying for you guys specifically when it comes to Borderless, what would you share? Maybe one or two sentences each of what we could be praying for you guys. You can pray for our family south of the border. As, as disruptive as COVID has been here in the United States, it has been 10 times worse in the churches and the communities we serve. They are so dependent on being able to work in the fields, just the economic, you know, the physical dealing with the actual virus. It's just way worse than we have it. And so just pray for our friends. Mm. They're our family, they truly are because we, we stay in Facebook contact with them, you know, throughout the year and stuff like that. Uh, people at our church have passed away. Mm. That impacts the community and that's where it's real. It's, and we miss them, it's been a rough year. Thanks guys for sharing from your heart. We really appreciate you coming on. A couple things to our listeners. If you guys want some more information about Orderless Trip, you can reach out to any of these three guys privately. They'd be happy to get you plugged in. You can check them out on one of their websites, which is all one word, borderlessmidwest.com or borderlessmission.org. We'd encourage you guys to really check them out, even if you're just feeling a little bit of a tug to learn more about it, to see if you and your church would enjoy being a part of it. Really encouraged and we would encourage our listeners to subscribe to one of our many listening platforms so that when a new podcast drops, you get a notification. And we would also love it if you would share this podcast with a friend or a colleague. Tune in next time and we look forward to our next guest who comes on. And we are very appreciative to Mark and Jason and Marty. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, Everybody enjoy the rest of your day. See you next time. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast with Pastor Mike Natal and Dr. Ryan Nilsson. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.